Nah, my parents were like, yo, you got a good ace. Like, <laughs> there's not options. Like, what you think this is? Hi everyone, welcome back, welcome, welcome to another episode of 1 to 100 podcast where we'll be talking about everything design related and share some light on our personal experiences and hopefully help you understand the architecture realm. So today we're going to be talking about the pressures that we encounter when we're in architecture, which is pressures from just the lifestyle in uni, pressures from tutors, pressure from our friends, pressure from our family and how to deal with it. So, starting, we have our wonderful, wonderful, wonderful friend, a master's student graduate, a wonderful friend that helped us, well, helped me especially through uni with great advice, with great enthusiasm towards architecture and amazing cultural support as well as we was in architecture. So, I just want to present Joanna. Hey, thanks for having me. You're welcome, girl. Thank you for coming. And as well as Joanna, we have Bethany, we got Mandy, we got Naomi together today. Hello. Oh, be of enthusiasm, please. <laughs> Sorry, my voice is cracking. Hey, guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's up. There we go. All right, so today, as I said, we'll be talking about the pressure that architecture brings to a person. So to me, how I break down this episode is there is different type of pressures. There is the architecture pre- um, pressure, there's the mental pressure, and there's also the family pressure, the pressure that the family gives you when you're studying in uni in general, but especially when you're studying architecture. So we're going to start with Joanna. Um, what I want to ask you is that, do you think architecture um just the subject architecture encourages competition between students in uh, if so do you think is a positive or a negative way well a hundred percent i think it does i think whether it good or bad it definitely does encourage competition but for example in my undergrad experience people were so secretive like they would not even want to share like information they got this or how they did that or where they got this book from or do you get it? Like it was just so secretive. I'm thinking we're all in the same boat that you want to like help a sister out, but well, they weren't really sisters there, if you know what I mean. But do you get it? It just wasn't it just wasn't as helpful. Like it just really just seemed like everyone was competing for each other. But for masters, I think that was a different environment. It was like the complete opposite. Everyone was more open to like helping you and to support you and take the time out to encourage you and to work on this on you with you and stuff like that. It was complete opposite, but I'm not sure whether it's because I went to different unis or it's just because of undergrad being like, you being younger than mastered you're a bit more mature so but yeah that was my I actually I was just gonna say like that's just given me so much hope for my masters because undergrad is everybody is so selfish <laughs> like honestly your plan is your plan and somebody else's plan even though it's the same plan is their plan and it's kind of like we could literally share the same work and probably increase the value of our work if we shared it but like you said I think in undergrad people have a younger mentality not to say everyone in undergrad is young but the mentality amongst what I mean I think the average age for someone I'm studying in uni in um, in their first year is probably around 18 19 And so they're thinking that, you know, this is my work. I need to succeed. I need to do well. And, you know, there's a lot of competition culture. And I don't really know if that maybe that comes from A-levels. Maybe it comes from GCSE. But I think up until university, your work is solely your work. And you've never really had to share it amongst other people. You never really had to work in a team other than team presentations for like English Lit or something. Do you know what I mean? So it's, yeah, I mean, it's it's a, it's weird. It's very, very strange. Um, but I think that maybe that's why they encourage teamwork so much in undergrad is to kind of get into the habit of being able to communicate with with somebody else and to be able to kind of share share your work as it may be of value to someone else too I don't even know if I'm making any sense but <laughs> yeah no, you are you are yeah that's that's my thing can I add something actually because I forgot to answer the end bit of your question whether you think whether you think it's positive or negative but I actually do think that it can be two different points of the spectrum because in a positive way it can challenge you to like actually come in each week and produce work because you don't want to look silly like you don't want to be that person who comes in with no work or you know or whatever so it could 
encourage you to be the best that you can be knowing that you don't want to slack you don't want to be like mediocre and it allows you to like achieve more but then on the other side of the spectrum it could defeat you you can be like I'm not even good enough like what's the point let me just skip my tutorials let me not even bother there's no point even trying to compete I'm so behind right now so it can be like on both sides so that's why competition can be you know positive and negative at the same time you know what I was on the defeated side like oh my god (laughs) After a certain point, I was like, I just, I don't want to go to my tutorials. I don't want to go to Chris because I know that when I come in, I'm not going to have the work to the standard of my peers. And not like I couldn't do it. I could definitely do it. My skill, like my skill level is there. Um, My mentality wasn't. And I think that's what it is. It's that sometimes when you feel defeated, you think so much about how defeated you are that you actually, the productivity goes and you end up kind of producing less and less and less work every single time. So I think competition, like you said, it can be so positive um, for people that are, I guess, strong-minded and, I guess, uh, in a better place um, than other people. But if you're somebody that's not in a great place in undergrad, competition can really knock your confidence. And um, I think then I think I would say that you're yeah your tutors need to find a way to kind of I guess deal with it but you also need to find your own coping mechanism if you're feeling some type of way in undergrad like what do you do or what 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 are you going to say to yourself or do for yourself when you get into the position where you feel like you you can't do anymore or you can't um kind of produce any more work like you have to kind of you have to make that decision for yourself um no one can tell you how to do that I guess Obviously, being in one to a hundred podcasts, we wanted to do something that was a podcast where people could relate to, women could relate to, architecture students could relate to, ethnic minorities could relate to. And it just happens today that our episode is full of beautiful, intelligent black women. And I just want to say it's very difficult being in a place where, you know, there's not as many, I would say, black people there or people of your ethnic minority there with you. So do you think there's a different type of pressure between, I would say, white students and ethnic minorities, especially black ones? Bethany? How will I answer that? Okay, so to answer it, it's kind of hard to do it accurately because I don't know much about the white struggle, if that's the thing. <laughs> you hear a lot about the black struggle with the... <laughs> But do you actually hear anything about the white struggle like that? So, um, I don't know. I'm going to have to generalise when talking about what their struggle will be. And then I've come to, um, yeah, of of course it'll be different. Um, I'd say it's different because for myself anyway, from just from growing up as a kid, you have that pressure already just from your parents telling you that you're going to have to work twice as hard to get anywhere in life purely for being black so I guess you always have that at the back of your mind that you're gonna have to work harder to achieve the same success as your white counterpart and then secondly for myself personally you're female as well in a male-dominated industry so that's Mm. another pressure that you you're kind of at the back of your mind and then I don't know I feel like part of it is down to the individual because you may have other pressures on yourself that other people may not have um but for minorities, one of the pressures I know some people may face is the fact that they may be the first one to actually attend university. And for them, they'll have that whole idea of paving the way on their, on their shoulders and thinking like they can't mess it up and they have to get that right. And then, um, yeah, I don't know, architecture, it's just hard in itself. So you, you have the workload. Everyone will share, have that common pressure of like the workload. But then I guess it's just down to the individual, like, I don't know. I totally understand. Um, and I respect your point because you did say some very important points, such as, you know, you know, you don't know what the white struggle is because you're so used to what being a black woman and the struggle that that comes with. For me personally, I did feel pressure being a black student because, you know, you come into a white dominated subject just in general and you're black. You come into a male dominated subject and you're a woman. When you have like, um, when you have like the scale of black, um, black people and white people, there is the white male, there's the white female, the black male and the black women. You are at the bottom of the scale in society, let's say. So 
it, that in itself is a lot of pressure because you would have to work not only twice as hard for as a woman you need to be work twice as hard because you're black twice as hard because you're a woman it's just a lot of pressure in that in itself and uh I completely agree with you when you say also you do get pressures from your parents, which we're going to get into. But I would like to also hear your point of view, Joanna, about this. Yeah, I think that being black, you already have eyes on you. And especially when you're not the majority, I feel like when there's just a few, um, a few of you in a big pool of white students you stand out anyway. So people, in my experience, people always knew who I was, even when I wasn't trying to be known like that. So I feel like with that comes, you know, an element of responsibility that you have to like actually live up to a good reputation or a good name. If people are going to know you, then um, like at least be known for what you produce or how hard you work and stuff like that. So I don't know, like, it can be it can be difficult especially if like especially like it can be difficult especially if you don't have like um a strong unit of people to like who you can relate to who can support you as well i feel like when black people especially like you guys like you are a great example of this that you guys have said that you know you gravitated towards each other because you guys saw each other and you could relate to each other from your race or that you're female um, and you can relate in terms of your struggle and your background and stuff like that. So I feel like when you have like a community around you who are going through what you're going through, it can just help ease the pressure a bit. But sometimes you can feel excluded when it's just by yourself and you have, you're just looking to so many other people to compare to you and stuff like that. But I, be, I don't think it's fair that we have to work twice as hard just to be when our white peers can be mediocre and we get at the same place so it's it's just not fair but that's just how it is at the moment and how it has been for a long time so it has to have like a lot of I don't know representation or just more people who are um who are like us who are able to like break that that mold and that barrier because yeah it can be quite like restrictive i totally agree that's that's true it's very very true but devil's advocate for a second yes of course my darling so Bethany and i were discussing this a little bit earlier on and we we're saying that, <laughs> we we're saying that um if okay this is not what i think personally but i know that <clears throat> this is what a lot of people think so if okay a lot of um minority okay it's okay let me think i'm trying to phrase this in a way that actually makes sense so okay you have black people and you have black people that do well and you also have black people that talk about doing well if for example the people that talk about black struggle and doing well were to like do as much as they talk about it do you know, I, I don't know if you know what I'm sort of getting at. Beth, can you help me out? I'm trying to think of what we were saying. Um, it's harder now because we were in conversation and then when you try to relay it, it's hard to explain it. Um, but I think what we were saying is that, um, yeah, so for some people, they will talk about the problems more than doing anything. Do you, do you know it's so much on the forefront of their mind? sometimes they overthink it and then because of that they're holding themselves back because they're automatically assuming oh everything's about race I'm not gonna be able to do this because I'm that because I'm a minority and then they put themselves at a disadvantage um even subconsciously just because they're constantly thinking over those thoughts where some people would regardless of their color would just excel because that's not the first thing they're thinking of they just know that I'm good enough to get where I need to go and I'll do what I need to do to get there kind of thing. So yeah, that's what you're say. That, that is absolutely true. That is very true. And you know what? A lot of people do that. A lot of people do that because the struggle is so much though. And you know what? I don't blame a lot of people for doing this because the struggle is so much. You see your peers like excelling and the thing is that it's even excelling. You know you're going to excel and you excel. And it's still the system. The system is still, you know, this is this is a big conversation, you know. Yeah. And we don't want to get too deep into this. But, like, the system is, is, is tough. It's tough on us. Yes, yes, darling. Add, 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 add. Basically, the whole pressure is 
kind of what I wanted to mention earlier when Joanna was speaking about, um, you know, uh, the kind of pressures that you have as a black person. And it's like when it comes to studying in school and university, I feel like even some tutors would kind of like not put that extra pressure on you, but, you know, because they even though you they know that you're the say the only black person in your tutor group or the minority in the tutor group, they almost put that extra pressure on you that they want you to do well, which is a good thing. But at the same time, like it's, inc- it's an incredible amount of pressure. And when you don't meet up to that, it's just an impossible thing. And then you just kind of like, you go off the rails. And also when you, at, at least I feel whenever you, I feel like a lot of people can relate when you get to university, that is a big deal in itself. So from then on, black people in general are not allowed to, to make mistakes we're not allowed to fail we're not allowed to do any wrong so you've got that pressure on you and then the tutors and then comparing yourself to others that other people don't have and it's like you're trying to because unfortunately what we have is that every single black person is representing the whole black community in whatever space they're in especially if it's uh if especially if they're minority in that space so you are now going to be like somebody's first encounter with a um with a black person like we had in uni some stupid girl i'm not going to name names but you know she was like oh, i've never met black people before and i was kind of like <laughs> but surprise surprise you know and now you've got wow you've got four in the campus i don't know like <laughs> so and i feel like that's the pressure that other uh i guess non-ethnic minority people don't have because you're not you're not the first because we're still in a we're still in a time that we're we're still first in something like if it's you're the first person to go to uni in your family the first person you know this ambassador whatever so that pressure is felt with your tutors as well and on top of you know uh the competition that you have with your peers and the competition you have you know with even with, I guess, other black people as well. Not even like it's a competition kind of thing, but you're also, you're trying to do well together. So it's, if, if one person doesn't do well, like it's, it's kind of, not like it reflects badly on the community, but you know, like you're, like I said before, you're not allowed to fail. You can't, you can't do that. We've got too much pressure and expectation for, for our rights, which is extremely unfair um, and an extremely impossible thing to live up to. So that's that pressure that I don't think other other um, races have to deal with. I'm just going to add one small thing because Naomi, you mentioned about, you know, the tutors putting extra pressure on you. To be honest, I agree for a certain point because I've seen it happened. To me personally, I just felt like it was the opposite and not to play the victim or anything because I am not. But I felt like even though I strived and I tried my best to do certain things, I would, they would give up on me easily than say i don't know somebody else who barely came in barely came in barely came into tutorial but they will be always like oh can somebody get this one can somebody check on this one can somebody do this and they will try 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 very hard but i would be there every single day do everything that i need to do but you see like they it's i don't understand the passion is not there do you understand what i'm, what I'm saying so yeah, i, I think, think it, it, it's very personal it depends on the person but in generally speaking from my experience i just think you know he hasn't put me into like a, a big disadvantage because i'm late but it's like that extra support would have definitely helped that extra pressure in this case is under pressure that extra pressure would be like you know well we believe in you you can do it blah blah blah. not that i you need it but everyone just likes to be heard that somebody believes in them you understand what i mean so i, I think in- when it comes to um tutor group uh, actually if you're a minority within your group that when you're having topics about ethnic minorities you now become the spokesperson and you're supposed to know every single experience and know all this knowledge you know and you're almost you almost become the teach. You, you take on the teacher's role at that point. It's kind of like, well, just because I am uh, a BAME person, even though that's a shit way of... Nah. Do you know what I mean? Like, you just become, like, the representation of every of everyone and everything. And now... <laughs> I'm cancelling that word in 2020. There's no more BAME. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this... Like this was... As if we're sushi, I don't know. <laughs> This um, this topic is a 
massive topic and we could go on and on and on about it but we won't <laughs> so <laughs> moving on um so basically so now we got to this part of this episode which is the mental pressures that we do feel and i think as architecture students everyone would know that it's very hard to do a lot of things i barely had time to look at myself in the mirror and i had a mirror in front of my in my room but do you guys think what do you guys think is the hardest thing to come in terms with in architecture as in i.e like time workload social life joanna do you want to take the wheel well all of the above (laughs) but like for me it was a big learning curve especially for like software in my undergrad they didn't teach you software for first year we just did everything by hand and second year and third year if you already possess the skills of using AutoCAD or Rhino or SketchUp then yeah incorporate that into your projects but it's not something that they really actively taught you they did have like some workshops here and there but it wasn't like something that was like a dedicated module that you had to learn so for me that was definitely a huge learning curve because trying to learn a pro- a software to include in your project when you don't even know what you're designing yet it's like so much things at once and I think that's why you end up spending so much time producing work like people would literally see me go into studio in the morning come out at night and be like what you've been there all day like when I say people I mean like people who aren't architecture students who don't live that life (laughs) so my 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 housemates are always so confused about why I was spending so much time there it's just a lot of stuff to learn a lot of stuff to practice and yeah it just also has a ripple effect on your social life and all the other things and commitments that you have but I feel like it depends on how you manage it that's why when I came to do my part two I knew that I had to have time and schedule time for me to rest and not just overwork myself because that's not healthy like we shouldn't have to have that work culture where we are working non-stop like what other profession does that why do we have to kill ourselves to get a good grade we should be able to be able to enjoy our life and to have a social life and to you know, go to church or meet up with friends and not feel like I'm gonna, I need to do this work or I'm gonna lose my mind or I'm gonna fail or whatever. So it's definitely a, a balancing act to do. It's really difficult, but literally for me, it was all of the above. <laughs> Naomi, what do you think? It, you know what? It depends. But for me, the hardest thing about studying architecture in, in general is just realizing that, <laughs> that life's not fair. Just realizing life's not fair. And that you've got other people that have advantages and that you're going to have to catch up because you're slightly, you're slightly behind. You've got different starting points, basically, in my opinion. Uh, I don't want to sound bitter or, <laughs> or anything like that. But it's unfortunately, um, it, it happens, I think, in any degree where you've got um, students whose parents, um, you know, have companies or in that profession already, like, you know, if you're studying law and, you know, someone whose parents are lawyers or they've got one parent that's a lawyer, you know, they've already got that kind of advantage, you know, they, they, they've got knowledge, they've got someone else to talk to. And when you probably graduate, you've got contact. Unfortunately for me, it was, I didn't, I didn't have any of that. I'm creating all of this for myself, as, as I'm sure a lot of other people are. It's not the, it's not the case with everyone, uh, but it's definitely that. And that can, be, that can be difficult because you're juggling a lot of things. Just like, you know, um, managing your time and then also uh, managing your finances and, you know, your health and, you know, all these things. And then also having to then network. It, it's just, it's just having, it's just having to juggle a lot of things. Um, and I think it's, uh, it's a very good thing if you're a good multitasker and can adapt to change. Because I think that is a very useful skill to have because otherwise you're going to find it very difficult but you know I said it in a previous episode but everyone basically neglected their health (laughs) in order to get you know a good portfolio at the end of the semester or whatever Cindy um you know what I'm talking about (laughs) and you know everyone lost uh, a lot of weight or you know vice versa some people were just eating bare you know like a lot of rubbish like it's, it's just kind of like you sacrifice your health for something that's I don't think it's worth it and like Joanna was saying like you have to you don't have to be doing that to 
to get a first or anything like it's not it's unnecessary so yeah <laughs> amazing amazing this question i'm about to ask is a, very, a bit controversial because i like to be a bit controversial so guys Mm, I, I can see definitely has a thinking hands-on so do you guys think in order to succeed in architecture you need to have a financial financial stability you need i.e you need to be rich yes yes, yes. To, to do, not to do well well but to do extra well yes from yes. from a b to an a you understand yes. okay <laughs> <laughs> helps but you can make it. You can still make it, guys. Right. So definitely, definitely do, that. do you want to give us your opinion on this? Yo, this course, yeah. If you look at my bank account, it's not saying much at all. <laughs> um, no, it's it's just such a... Yeah. Sorry, I'm speechless because it just... <laughs> there's just... My finances are just literally... Architecture is expensive, essentially. That's what I'm trying to get at. And it does put you at a disadvantage when you're having to work on the side and think about yourself financially and how you're going to be stable throughout the duration of your course because the time needed to excel at your course in architecture you need as much time as you can get and if you're spending that time working and thinking about other things your finances it's hard to do as well because you literally don't have the means to do your work and the means to do your work is the time because these things take time to learn as Joanna was saying your your software you have to learn your software just even thinking of design the process takes time and if you're like me I take a while to get anything done I can be a perfectionist at times and I just take long I can spend a lot of time thinking before I do anything and you don't have that time whilst you're you don't have as much time whilst you're working but I don't want to discourage you if you do have to work because there are ways to still do well. Like you just have to manage your time well, honestly. So yeah, to answer your question, it's easier to succeed if you um, are financially stable and you have the means to just pay architecture outright. But if you're not, you can still succeed. You just have to be conscious that you're going to have to be really diligent with managing your time. Like any time for procrastination like you just have to be on it honestly but you can do it I just want to say you can do it a lot of us had to work and we're on our journey we're succeeding they there are beautiful smart intelligent black women on this podcast right now who are doing bits so yeah that's all I gotta say <laughs> what do you think Joe? yeah I agree actually I do think that if you have to work because you can't afford to buy materials or there's a a trip that you're going overseas and you can't afford it so you have to work to in order to save up to get it that means that that is less time that you are focusing on your work so it definitely does put you at a disadvantage and it's not a fair advantage because if you all have the same 24 hours in a day it's you know it's easier to compare like you know how much one person works or you know where they put their effort and stuff like that but if one person has all the time in the world and the other person has to work 20 hours a week, that's 20 hours that you're not working. So it is really difficult. But like Bethany said, there's there's ways of helping and, you know, different like grants and scholarships and bursaries that universities offer and different external groups offer as well. So that's really good to utilise. I was able to get that which I was so fortunate as um, for basically because honestly last summer I was looking at my bank account and thinking I can't afford second year like I actually can't afford second year as in I mean second year masters and I was just thinking wow because all the money that I saved in my part one placement was spent in my first year of part two and I was just thinking, what am I going to do? Like, I was looking at my halls in terms of, like, my accommodation. And my student finance didn't even cover my halls. Like, it was the first time that I've ever, that my student finance didn't cover my halls. Usually, it would just cover it or have, like, a few hundred after. But this one, it was more expensive than my, my finance. I was thinking, whoa, like, <laughs> what is going to happen? But thankfully, I did apply to a... Uh, grant which was um, the Hilda Martindale Trust Fund and they actually 
give grants, £3,000 to underrepresented students who are studying in professions where they're underrepresented, such as architecture. So I applied for that and I got that. That was so helpful. And also the university, I applied for financial aid as well from the university, which they gave me that as well. And because of Corona, I wasn't able to pay my final term of rent. So I all that money, that was for me. So thank God for that. <laughs> I guess that was a positive. But no, seriously, there are options to get financial help. So it's definitely good to seek those those options if you actually don't have the ability to commit time towards actual working you know what I mean but yeah so just to be more do you think specifically um the most disadvantaged financially speaking is the black community in uni this is just to put it out there Mandy Mary just give us some sauce so I think it's the black no not really I think I mean yes yes it is in hindsight yes it is but I think there are even hierarchies between the black community i mean it's not you i don't know if you guys read that article by um toby um i think her name is shobawale i might even edit this bit but um she wrote to nobody's name <laughs> she wrote an article on what it was like to be a black woman in in the architecture world and obviously she's speaking on behalf of not white people um, kind of getting onto black people. It's more black people getting onto black people. So sometimes I don't think it is solely about race. Sometimes I think it, like we said, is to do with socioeconomic background. Some people are just more fortunate than others in terms of their finances. They can afford to linger around. They can afford to kind of do other things and kind of not have to work so I think in hindsight the general gist of it does boil down to race but then even within that race there are like subcategories which are to do with finances and other sort of other sort of injustices within the black community as well so I I don't think it is just to do with to do with race at all. I think that is amazing that you said that because that's exactly what I was hoping you would say because there's this misconception Exception. I can't speak English, everyone, please. That um, it's only black people that are broke. That's not true because I mean, I was broke, but <laughs> I knew I just international students coming out from different places, you know, that got got the peas, they got the money, you know, they can, as Mandy said, be it's not about race financially speaking, it's not about race, but obviously, in hindsight, the black community or the ethnic minority, which would be... I would say not even ethnic, ethnic minority. I would say the people from London. Well, because when you got someone... No, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. No, the, from the people from the UK, I would say. Because when you got, uh, say, a rich prince from Nigeria coming to study, he's from Nigeria, but he got money. You understand what I mean? It's so true. Do, do you understand what, so I, <laughs> what I'm saying? No, I know what you're going to say. All the London ones broke. Not all of the London ones are broke. Not all of the London ones are broke. But I'm saying, when I say what the London ones, I would say that's when I say, uh, that's when I feel like it's more of an ethnic one. When I speak about like London and UK, but when I speak about as in a worldly, in the university space where there's different people coming from different countries, you, I I don't think it's about race. But you know what I realised? I don't know if if it was for anybody else. Some of the people from London started to realize their privilege at uni and I don't know if it was just in I can't really say my course because that's so bait but just in architecture in general like a lot of the people realized how much value they had when they came to uni but if it wasn't for uni I think they wouldn't have been moving the way they were moving I, th- wow. I don't know how to explain it. Value in, in what way? Like they were favoured more because they were from London? They were, I think they realised their white privilege a lot more when they came to uni. I think sometimes when, sometimes when somebody is not faced in a situation, they don't, they don't know their value. But when they came, to, like when some, a lot of white people came to uni, they started to realise that they're, they're at a greater advantage amongst black people and I think it it became more prominent in terms of like the amount of uh, connections they had and like you were saying before the amount of people that they knew they probably and and the amount of um 
people they were faces in terms of like kind of building connections with people in private schools and things like that like I don't know how to explain it it's almost like private and public became one but it was only if you were white there was no like I don't know how to, I don't know if I'm making any sense here I think I get what you mean yeah that kind of yeah I think because in in a not in a way but like at uni I don't know do, do you think you could see class in uni like from your peers like you could tell like if someone was really w- rich or someone was you know you know was working like a part-time job like do you think that 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 was very evident between uh your peers because I mean o- other than people that were coming and dressed you know in like Ralph and Louis Vuitton I, do you know what I mean I, other than that you, you don't know what's in people's bank accounts so in that case like I couldn't really tell the only thing I could tell was just like yeah like I think minorities would more likely group up together and in a kind of interesting way they almost got similar grades why that is I don't know um that could just be a coincidence that could be something I don't know it's just something I noticed so what your question is do we see class yeah do you see class at uni as much as you see it kind of like in the outside world because obviously you've got the outside world you know like (laughs) you know you know outside of education because up until because interestingly when you go to school everyone's wearing uniform if you go to a school that wears uniform you can't really tell unless you know someone's parents come and pick them up in like a mercedes or something that or you go over to somebody's house that you can tell what kind of socioeconomic background they're from um but at university is that something that you could tell or is that what do you think joanna that's the thing like i'm looking obviously i've had two different experiences because i've i went part two so i've done um undergrad and masters but in my master experience, there was more international students. So I don't think you can tell just by looking at them. Not all the time. It's more through conversation. So it was literally through conversation that I was thinking, right, you're rich, rich. Like you came from here or your, your parents do this or whatever, whatever. Like, or like, you know, in undergrad, it was more like the white students who lived in like the countryside who have like a big house and cars and stuff like that and when you follow them on social media and you see like what their posts are I think that's when you more can tell the difference between like different environments and where they've grown up and their how their life is so different to yours do you think that gives them an advantage at uni like there's probably not in part two you don't Mm. think in the part in your part two I actually know let me take that back I don't know I don't know that's the thing like I I do think that it gives an advantage base, but that's more linked to having that financial freedom and not having to worry about work. So what, similar to what we spoke about before, but then for example, if you're not from an urban area and your project is based in an urban area, can you really relate as much to the project than somebody else you've grown up from there? But I guess that can be said with anyone from anywhere. Do you know what I mean? Uh, well, to be continued. <laughs> <laughs> Just because, <laughs> just because it's such a broad subject that there's going to be so many rights, so many wrongs. And to our white listeners, guys, don't feel like we're attacking you because we are not. This is conversations that needs to be had and conversations that, you know, allows you to also understand how different people think and how different people see the world. So, yeah. But yeah, let's go. Moving on. This question is very interesting because I feel very passionate about it because goddamn is true. So guys, do you think parents add to the pressure of doing well in uni? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it depends, you know, your family, but mine, yes. <laughs> my parents, yeah, I love them. The thing is, my parents didn't pressure me in a negative way. They always, they're the most encouraging and supportive parents. I love them so much. But it was more for myself and to make them proud. And I also have an older sister. We're only in a year and a half apart. And we, we took very different career paths. She went down the law path and obviously I'm more creative. And she did really well. And I always looked up to her as someone I wanted to be like or to do as well or even better. So I think in order to make my parents proud, I wanted to just make sure that, you know, I wasn't like the, <laughs> the dumb sister. But they didn't pressure me in a way that they were like, oh, you better be getting this grade 
grade, you better get that grade. It was more full of support and that like, we're proud of you and that like, we're praying for you and they're so excited for you and stuff like that. So yeah. I did have a very great support system. Even like when <laughs> my dad's so funny, my dad literally boasts about me all the time. I went to Oxford Brooks like these ladies as well. And when he talks about me, he won't say the Brooks part. He'd be like, yeah, <laughs> Oxford. Oxford. <laughs> oh, Oxford. Every parent, Oxford. that is my parent. I'm like... <laughs> that is my parent. So like, Dad, I didn't go Oxford. Oh, <laughs> oh Oxford. <laughs> I know. Like, he was so funny. Like, but you know, technically, we are the Oxford School of Architecture. Oxford, Oxford. That's what I say. Our architecture department, but still, like, he was very proud, and he would always say that. So, yeah. It was, I did have them in the back of my mind when I was working hard because I did want to make them proud. So I hope I did. <laughs> oh, you sure did, man. You're amazing. Like, it's not even an amazing part, just like as in a good student, you're just a good human being overall. And you allow not only yourself to succeed, you bring other people with you to succeed. Yeah. So oh, they are very much proud of you because I am. Oh, thank you, Sins. <laughs> <laughs> Let me compose myself. All right. Well, for me, um, <laughs> I wish I could say, uh, Joanna, yes, my parents were not. Now nah, my parents were like, yo, you got to go A's. Like, <laughs> there's not options. Like, what do you think this is? Because do you know what it is? Yeah. My parents are from Ghana and they, they, they did a lot of sacrifices. I'm not going to lie. I'm very grateful for where I am in life because my parents have sacrificed a lot. But because of the sacrifice, they will remind you of every single sacrifice they've done. <laughs> Everyone, they, will, they remember this like a notebook. They will read each sacrifice. <laughs> sacrifice number one. <laughs> For you, it's a pressure because you're like, oh, they've done so much for me and I just want to do this one. It's like, literally, in their head, it's like, you have one job. Your job, your one job is actually to do well. It's not much because we've done so much. It's not much. And you're like, oh my God, like, if I feel like I'm just a loser. And it's, that's the pressure. But obviously, they don't do it in a bad way because they want the best thing for you. They want you to succeed because they want you to do all the things that they couldn't do, in it. But in your head, you're like, ah! It's too much. It's too much. It's too much. You know. So it's like, I I think there's a lot of pressure, and I think for me especially, there's a lot of pressure from migrant families, migrant parents, parents that are not from an easy life. They didn't have an easy lifestyle when they were younger, or the best of lifestyle when they were younger, and they bring their kids in Europe, and they just want them to succeed. They just want them to be equal as everyone that was born here. You know, they just want the best for them, and that's why they put so much pressure on you. But sometimes it's a lot. I'm not gonna lie. I I used to struggle with that pressure because it's like you have the pressure of like, okay, I want to do well for myself. I want to do well to make myself proud, to make my tutors proud, to make my friends proud to make my family proud but especially doing your best is not enough if it's not the top that's what it for me that was hard because I would do my best and some say I would do my best and I would get B in my heart I know I did the best but to them it wasn't enough you understand what I mean and that was that would was the hard part of the pressure that a parent would give you and and hence I back then I was like but everyone got to see it they were like are you everyone <laughs> are you everyone everyone got to see it you're not everyone you need to get an A next time (laughs) and it's like you know you before I was like oh man why they don't see I'm trying hard but then when you grow like now now that I'm working now that I'm I'm paying bills I'm doing this and I'm like life is hard though they just (laughs) want they just wanted me to do well they just want me to have it easier you know they don't want me to be stressing out about bills and do this you know they just want the best for you but i think i'd like to all my african parents my arab parents my every parents guys you gotta chill a little bit give us a little break like we're trying our best we we see what you're doing for us we see the struggle we see that you're trying hard and we're trying with you (laughs) but you gotta you we you gotta give us you know the benefit of the doubt man let us do our thing because at the end of the day we we see you we see you, like, you know, like Avatar. No, I see you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but yeah. Um, <laughs> moving on from that, how do you think is the best way to cope with the pressure of parents that parents bring 
to you, basically, Amanda? Whoa, for me, it was a bit of a different situation. So in terms of uni, I didn't have parental pressure because my mum passed away when I was 16. So, I mean, the pressure was more self-inflicted. I know that both of my siblings have been to uni and they both graduated. And I think that in itself, I knew that I wanted to graduate. What me graduating was for a greater purpose. And that in itself was a lot of pressure because in uni already, like the, I didn't have that kind of level of support from my tutors. I found it really difficult to talk to my friends about certain things. And it was a lot. So how did I cope? Um, I think beginning I definitely had bad coping mechanisms I used to just stay in my room and kind of just isolate myself a little bit and then come to the studio when I'm ready in second and third year I started to talk a lot more I think second and third year is where I found my friends and I'm very grateful because some of them are well all of them are here today and obviously Adonai and um, Ray and all of that kind of stuff and I think once you find like a good group of people that you're able to really talk to people that are not afraid to give you criticism on how you are I think that's that was the hardest thing for me as well um, is that I think because of my mum's situation people are really like reluctant to give me criticism on certain things or tell me that tell me not to do certain things as well and it's just kind of I need to I need friends who are not afraid to tell me when I'm doing something wrong and I think that was that was how I found my coping mechanisms because up until then people were very like almost like treading on eggshells and I think once I found that kind of base I was like ah like yeah like this is this is my way like I like to talk I like to express myself and I like to and I know that my friends are there to listen so that was my coping mechanism it's just being able to have that that friendship group so I can talk about certain things not even just to group just even one friend to kind of talk about certain things or even to just lay it out another thing I did is I really like writing so I kept a diary and I didn't write in it every night but kind of if you have something on your mind and you don't really know how to sort of express certain things to your peers or to your tutor or something like that sometimes it really does help to kind of write it down and break things down for yourself before you're able to kind of uh, express that to anybody else so yeah so that was that was literally me what about you, Bethel? Pressure from our parents. How do I cope with that? My, oh, my sister's a good one. Because she's, we're in the same boat. We both share the same parents. So talking to her, it's like, yo, we can relate. Kind of banter about it a bit. And then you feel like relieved and then you just carry on. So that was a good way. Obviously, like friends, as Amanda has already said, sometimes sleep. Because it can just be all up in your head. And your headspace is just not ready for it. So sometimes I find like sleeping is a good way because you you wake up refreshed and sometimes you overthink it just because you're tired. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And then the next day you feel like, okay, I can go back at this again. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other ways as well. And just, I don't know, just sometimes you just have to remember who you are. Like you just have to reinforce positive motivation to yourself like it's okay I've got this like I can do this kind of thing like despite the pressure that's on my back you just have to keep keep on going yeah I don't know you kind of just have to channel the pressures into positive juice to just propel you forward and try not to let it weigh you down uh yeah just keep it there short simple I think they're the main ones can I add on to that quickly? I think another, I think one of the reasons why there's so much pressure on yourself sometimes is because you may not feel within yourself that you're fully skilled in something. And so maybe it might be a good idea to actually learn how to master your skills in certain things. And that might relieve a lot of the pressure off yourself. So I think one of today, in fact, I was looking at my CV and portfolio. I was getting a little bit frustrated, like, why am I not getting any um, responses back and things like that? And then you just think back to yourself, why am I, what sort of pressure am I feeling? Is it the fact that I'm not getting responses back or the fact that I'm not confident in my portfolio? And you have to break things down for yourself and say, actually, no, I need to go back and work on my work and then apply for jobs because the pressure that I'm feeling is not the fact that some somebody is not employing me. It's the fact that I'm not confident in my own work. So I think you need to kind of decipher what that pressure is and relate it back to you and direct your energy in, in a way that, helps you grow as a person rather than puts unnecessary pressure on yourself and just to conclude this episode because it's been an amazing episode if i 
should say myself and i'm not saying because i presented it but which has a lot to do with it but <laughs> it's been great because this is something i'm quite very passionate about all what we discuss i'm very passionate about and i think a lot of the time it's discussed but not discussed properly and a lot of people feel very shy about expressing actually how they feel about certain certain topics because they're scared of how other people will react but i like this space because this space is a space to be free to express yourself and uh, share ideas share opinions you know opinions are not facts you know but to see how other people think other people deal with things and you could relate with that and that could also ultimately help you to deal with something else so i think this is great this has been great and to end i'm gonna end with a very interesting question and this question is to all of you girls do you think a suspense do you think architecture sees color what i mean by that so there's two ways i mean by this as in do they see the person before they see the work or they see the work before they see the person you see what i did there yeah joanna i'll just let you start off lead the way with your hmm. i think they do and I don't think that's a good thing because basically when I was putting my CV together, I wanted to put my picture on because this was post BLM movement. So as in 2020 BLM movement. So I was thinking, okay, it seems like practices are on board with, you know, trying to make their practices more diverse and whatever. So if they see a black person, are they more likely to hire me? I don't want to be the token black person, but I thought if you're actually putting action towards what you're saying, that you want to support us, are you going to do that? based on having a CV which is clearly from a black person but then I got advised not to do that by someone who actually worked in in practice just because of that reason because they would see you before they see your work and I don't want to be employed because I'm black I want to be employed because they want me to work with them because they value me as an employee because they they like the stuff that I can produce that they think I can be a great addition to their company I do feel like it can be a barrier and it's unfortunate that we do live in a society where they do judge you from how you look or what your name is or yeah like your background these are these aren't things that we have control over but what we do have control over is the stuff that we actually produce and our work ethic and the actual things that we can add value to a company so unfortunately to answer your question i do feel like architecture does see color but it shouldn't be that way obviously not yeah it's a good point what about you bethany what do you think Honestly, I actually don't know. <laughs> like what Joanna said, that yeah, that's my personal experience. Um, I don't know in terms of like the wider sense of architecture, just because I don't feel like personally I've been exposed to the industry like that. Um, so I actually don't know how to answer this question. Just um, maybe come back to me and I'll see if anything comes to mind. Next, I'm joking. <laughs> Um, Nams, what do you you think? This is a really, really sticky one. I'm just trying to think both, you know, in practice and in education. And I think it's maybe, maybe because we've been in education and we've kind of like been there, done that, we can tell that maybe it is more of a factor that they do see colour when... Actually, tell her that maybe maybe not because I'm thinking like maybe they would have added included more more black people when you know as as first years. But to be honest, it was only like what six of us like in the uni. So I don't know. I I I think yeah, Cindy, you really got me that. <laughs> um you know what it's, it's a shame just like what joanna was saying that it's a shame that we're living in a time like this where even though all, through all of the efforts that the black lives matter movement is doing that firms and practices you know are trying to show their support and things like you know this whole diversity it's not we don't want it to be a, a tick box thing you know what i mean we want it to be genuine and real you know give us those positions that we deserve to have in industry we don't want just like a like a pity kind of thing like oh yeah like we have to hire them because you know they're black they're probably not they don't have opportunities like others we don't we don't want to be anyone's pity case we want proper representation for the skills that we clearly have and that that we possess that we we have a lot of potential just we haven't been given those spaces to to do that so that's all i can say on that matter in in my personal opinion I can't I can't I can't say because just like Beverly like uh, uh, I don't know <laughs> I don't know <laughs> 
Yeah, next, next, next question. Andy? Uh, the architecture, yeah, I think architecture sees colour because not just in terms of like your skin colour, um, I think colour comes in many different shapes, forms and languages. Like it's not just, oh, I'm not going to hire this person because they're black. What about if the person has an accent? Do you know what I mean? What about if the person brings jollof rice to work? Like it's little things like you don't accept me for my whole self and they Hold don't... If they bring jollof rice at work, they've been hired already. <laughs> but they can lose their job don't get twisted (laughs) um like there's there's little things like there's certain i don't know i think there's ways in which they'll talk to you as well it's not just you know oh look at my skin color it's maybe sort of talking down to you in a certain type of way because they think you don't understand i remember that happened to me in um when i had like a i was i've never been in practice I worked on a project to design a co-working space and I was in a, a meet in a board meeting with predominantly white males and the way they spoke to me is almost like they were talking down to me but that could have been due to I'm not saying that's due to my skin color but it could have it felt like it I was the only black girl in the room with a headscarf on do you know what I mean so it was kind of like and I was the youngest in there um, I was probably the least experienced as well so it could have been an array of factors but what it felt like was the fact that it was due to my skin colour I think it went I think we discussed this on, in another episode it was kind of like sometimes you can't always make it seem like it's, it's just because of your skin colour that they're treating you in a certain type of way it could have literally been because I had a different way of thinking and maybe it's because I was the youngest in the room and maybe it's because I was the only one wearing a headscarf like there's so many factors but in hindsight I think yeah architecture it does see it does see colour and architecture looks down upon black people and like Naomi was saying we want to be recognised for the skills that we clearly have and if they're not being portrayed if our skills in our portfolio and our CV are not being portrayed in the right manner or you think it could be better I think we should we deserve some feedback on that I think every firm should do that actually give feedback on CVs and portfolios because it's not like we don't have the work maybe it's just not being presented in a way that appeals to firms so that was a beautiful answer so I just to add yeah because what you said about feedback I remember actually applying to this is I think my first part one job I applied to and not applied to as in I got an interview for and I didn't get the job and the feedback that they gave me was they didn't think I could fit in with the office and it was everyone everyone was white everyone was male it was only like the the only white females were like the receptionist or the admin person or whatever so that was literally their feedback so it's like and me not being able to fit in, obviously that's, well, I took it as a racial thing and a gender thing. But in hindsight, I wouldn't want to work there anyway. But my point is, they definitely did make that opinion based on, on how I look and not based on my work. I was even going to mention that, but I didn't want to speak on behalf of employers because I didn't really know. But I, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it's a thing that people will employ people for you know, to see if they fit into their company or to fit into their firm and their environment. You know, they want to hire people that they think can fit what, you know, what their office life is like. Someone that can can adapt easily into their their community. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So are you guys saying that, like, basically black people should only apply for firms with black employees? No. That's the thing. That's how they are making it seem like because obviously that doesn't make any sense. We, as black people, can adapt to any settings we've been doing this all our life we literally live in a country which is you know (laughs) predominantly white when you obviously go out of London and well even in London so that shouldn't be such a defining factor it's an important factor obviously you want to work in a place where you think you can get along with people and you can adapt in different situations but overall if it is so drastic and that is literally the only reason or the main reason then that can be problematic but yeah I'm I'm okay with it like I said it's not somewhere I wanted to work in hindsight anyway but for example if it was somewhere I really wanted to work amazing practice and I've been working towards this for so long and I was so excited for an interview and their feedback and my work was up to their standard and their only feedback was oh you don't think you can fit in that would be so heartbreaking because what at least give me a chance (laughs) yeah my confidence like nah I'm sorry I'm actually quit architecture <laughs> forever. <laughs>
to be honest i didn't i didn't know that personally that happened that people be like oh i want to hire because i want someone that fits the studio basically fits how the studio looks so that's just ridiculous if you ask me but my opinion i'm about to make a lot of people angry <laughs> but me personally uh, and this is me talking about generally so architecture it's mainly a white people's uh, white people um subject white white people are more in architecture than black people okay that's generally it the question is why all right honestly from secondary school to when we get to uni i don't blame anyone but black people a lot of black people just don't like it. it's <laughs> sorry just because a lot of black people just and that's my opinion so, some of us like the easier way out they don't like the hard subjects the hard things so not a lot of black people apply to architecture there's gonna be say although obviously so even the black people that um <laughs> apply to architecture less of us are going to be choosing there's not a lot of us in the, in the first place so there's disparity in the first place all right imagine so so imagine if 50 people apply for architecture they're black you're getting 20 and that's even a stretch that's you're getting what 10 10 10 out of it but compared that to a thousand white people applied then you get a hundred you understand what i mean so uh, you would think like the rate is kind of the same but it's because there's not a lot of people coming in you understand what i mean everything after when you get into uni then there's a lot about the system but you cannot you cannot say this is a, a male dominating thing as a, a it was a male dominating because females were not allowed to do it but since females were allowed to do it a lot of females don't choose the subject so you can't say it's a, a female dominating thing no a male dominating thing but but a lot of females don't apply for it so less female you're gonna see less females at the end of, the, of it if there's 10 females that apply you're gonna see two but Sind, do you think that's because of like the actual accessibility of it sometimes it doesn't appeal appeal to females if like say like the thing that we're talking about now is the fact that not black people like black or female people don't have talent is the fact that males white males for example cannot actually see or recognize the talent within these communities they don't see it they're actually turned a blind eye to it and sometimes when people like i guess apply to the course sometimes it's not even that they don't apply maybe sometimes it's just they don't get accepted do you know what i mean and even some of the things that we're talking about today in terms of finance and things like that some people will listen to that and be like why would i why would i put myself in that kind of situation do you know what i mean so i think it's it's more of a thing where we need to it there needs to be a space in which people actually feel like they can they can apply to the course and they can do architecture because at the moment architecture is 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 a thing where okay you have money and if you have money you can do the course and that's literally it doesn't but yeah so that's that's do you think it's because do you think that because obviously there are certain courses that i think appeal to different cultures and that you speak to because you know in the black community you always hear like, especially like African parents saying like yo you need to become a lawyer become a doctor you know engineer and that those are the top three anything else is kind of like i'm oh, telling well, you yeah your parents need convincing in order for you to do it basically so go to think, a law school you will see yeah. see the amount of black people that are going to be a, a, a law or go you to nursing Go and see a lot of uh, black people there that are nursing. Go to architecture. You go Naomi and Mandy. Popular like within our community, or maybe it's just not. I don't think it's not popular. I just think we need to see more black people representing architecture. It's not like there, there are no black architects. I think we need to. There are architects in Ghana. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not like architecture only just existed in the UK. Like we just need to see more representation. Tutors need to be educated in the fact that there are black architects. There are minority ethnicity architects not just Italian do you know what I mean it, you need to be teaching these to the peers like it's not where did architecture derive from what's vernacular architecture no it didn't come from Rome do you know what I mean so I think they need to it it all start like charity begins at home like you need to it needs to start from the the fundamental the basis like where how are people learning about these things um, and why do they think that architecture is predominantly white? It's because that's what they're being taught at school and that's what's being replicated into the working world is that architecture is white. Mandy Mandela. <laughs> <laughs> I want to vote you for president. Don't do it. Where do I sign up? It's, it's not valid. That was a powerful one. I totally see where you're coming from. I totally agree, actually, where you're coming from because 
It is true. There's a misrepresentation of black architects, especially female architects. But like, I don't know one female architect that is black that that has done something like big, big architect. I know David Ajay, uncle, my Ghanaian brother. I know him, but he's the only black architect that I actually know of. Do you understand what I mean? And that they they mention sometimes when they're talking about the Smithsonian African Museum. But that's about it. And that's not only his only work, but that's the only work they talk about anyway. So you are right. I completely agree i want to shout out my tech cheater um my second year tech cheater his name was george and he was lebanese but he grew up in he grew up in nigeria and he really like encouraged me to explore my project through a racial lens and i remember doing like one of my crits and i was kind of like tiptoeing around the the racial bit around my projects and kind of just like kind of mention it but i didn't want to be too controversial and i was going to kind of talk about other political stuff but he brought me back and was like no like this is very important it's so relevant is so such a, a needed discussion that you can really explore in your work so don't feel like you have to tiptoe around it don't feel like you can't be bold enough to speak about these things just because you're in a room full of predominantly white people and there needs to be cheaters like that like even though he wasn't black black he was a person of colour who did who did grow up in um, Nigeria and he did recognise that as a black person I needed to get or needed to have like black authors and black architects and black people that he could refer to me to help and yeah to build my my project so these things are so important and we kind of overlook them but in hindsight I can definitely say that he really changed the way I did my whole project that's just based on that one tutor who was you know a person of color and so imagine how much of an impact that would make to so many other students if they can have that relatability and how different their experiences can be just based on diversity yeah it's so important it's so important so I continue to emphasize that and that, that's actually kind of encouraging me to think about teaching in the future and at a university level might mean I have to go back and do a PhD as well that's a bit mad so I'm not going to lie but <laughs> But there needs to be more of us up there. Like, like it, it, it needs to happen. It needs to happen. There's so much impact teachers and tutors and professors can make for the next generation. Oh, that was wonderful and beautiful. Big shout out to Professor George. He's Thank George. you. Thank you for making a difference <laughs> in a place where a lot of people don't do so. So, George, big up yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you very much ladies this concludes this episode of the pressure that architecture gives to people thank you very much for being so honest and so poised in your expression of opinions and uh, experiences and it's been a beautiful conversation happy new month may this month bring a lot of blessings onto everyone else and into your journey as next week a lot of students will go back to school back to uni i wish everyone very well and uh, just focus on your goals and and uh, you will reach them. Be focused and be attentive and uh, just be your biggest fan always because no one got your back like yourself. And uh, with that, it's the end.